Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. In this episode, Ian Montgomery of Label Sessions talks to Perja Gradjenovic, not only a frequent of the Sessions Supper Clubs in Toronto, but a global marketing leader. He made his name in his native Serbia with Philip Morris International and Carlsberg before coming to Canada to pioneer brands like Heineken of the Molson Coors Beverage Company. Now, he is a managing partner of Motivation Branding to explore the motivations behind why brands succeed. Predrag recaps his talk he made at the Supper Club with Ian for those who couldn't make it. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and then that little journey from Serbia to Canada via Copenhagen. I worked in, in, in brand marketing for... Uh most of my career uh, I started in uh, in uh, in Serbia uh, where I was born and raised and uh, I worked for uh, big blue chip companies uh, in the FMCG as we called it in Europe or CPG as we call it here in Canada and uh, I was always curious to learn how to uh, uh, grow the brand because the brand for me was and still is very conceptual, very theoretical um, part of the business and applying that and actually uh, mm, using it for the brand, for the business growth was uh, a big mystery for me. I think it's less today than it was, but uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it still um, has a lot to, to uncover, especially if you apply that concept now to a, to a different businesses. Anyhow, I progressed my career through, uh, uh, through CPGs in the region, and I was always hungry for, for knowledge. So um, uh, when the opportunity popped up to, to join the uh, uh, global team uh, uh, on Tuborg in Copenhagen, um, I, I went there gladly and worked there for a year. And over the course of next uh, next following years, uh, I joined Molson and led their um, uh, their premium agenda in Europe, and eventually landed in Canada a couple of years ago when uh, was uh, uh, heading Heineken brand here in uh, uh, in Toronto, in Canada. So that was my my brief journey. Uh, throughout that journey, I was. Uh, always having a entrepreneurial warm as i say uh, within me who was uh, uh bugging me to to uh, do something on my own and uh um a year and a half ago i i uh, started my my own small shop here uh, here in toronto so now i'm consulting on on brand in month so in the supper club you talked about um we talked about brand and you shared a bit of framework. So like the things that you've done with motivation branding and like how that kind of works. We'll do this without slides. So this is all in somebody's ears, but um, maybe just share a bit about that motivation brand um, framework and then how you use it a little bit. So the, our slogan is uh, motivation is, uh, uh, behavior is irrelevant. Motivation is everything. So behavior is relevant. Motiv- motivation is everything, meaning not what consumer does. It's why they do it that matters. That's essentially how you shift uh, the behavior. So the framework that we have essentially uh, starts uh, with the market segmentation based on the large data. Um, 
which either comes from us or from a from a customer and it applies uh and and looks at the consumers through a lenses of modern and traditional approach to life intrinsic and extrinsic on the on the other curve and then uh different different values around the circle and if if you look at the market in that way you can figure out that different segments have uh, different motivations and then as you can plot the consumers on that segmentation map you can plot the brands and then it's um it's an interesting framework because it allows you to play on both ends on the consumer and on the brand side and then carve the path forward and essentially set the strategy that will untap the growth in terms of the types of places where you use that can i talk through a few examples because you use one in the supper club that was really awesome so yeah that was the project that that team was doing before uh before i joined but i'm i'm very familiar uh, uh with uh with the example because i was responsible for the market on the other side when it was uh, applied um it's in the beer, beer market in 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 russia and um at the time uh market was traditionally tied to spirits namely vodka and the, uh, even though beer as a category existed before they were uh the the big companies entered uh, several years before and, and started building the market in traditional way with all the traditional marketing campaigns, tying uh, beer brands to music, masculinity and everything. And then um, working for uh, the Anadolu FS at the time, and the team was looking at the market and it came to uh, two interesting uh, insights. One is that... Uh, um, um, vodka essentially is very, very um, traditional and uh, mainstream drink, and that uh, females essentially show appeal for the beer as well to a higher percentage than they than they usually do in in other markets. So, uh, working through the framework. Um, the company eventually launched uh, a champagne-like female beer uh, brand that created a, uh, an instant success and, and grew uh, immediately to a, a few uh, percentage of the market share, uh, which then they continued to build. So uh, I guess cross-referencing the traditional category insights with particular market knowledge through the segmentation and the, the model that we have eventually helped that happen. In terms of like the cultural difference of like you come from Serbia to Canada, I, I joke about Serbia and Russia being similar, but they're really not. Um, but like doing that in a market like Russia is quite different to doing that in a market like the US. But in the US, the champagne of beers would be Miller High Life. Um, which is quite, still quite a masculine brand, but it's it's still it's quite universal. It's f- sort of funny how that similar insight then gets applied in Russia in quite a different way around a different sort of segment and a different sort of group. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, um, it's it's interesting to build, you'd say, a traditional category across different markets, and especially from the big beer cultures, such as um, some of the Western European markets uh, or Canada and, and U.S., um, even, uh, even they differ. Now, to coming back to um, um, one of our discussions from uh, from a few days ago, uh, the way that beer is served here uh, in Canada, the way that uh, um, uh, the entire uh, on-premise uh, world works here and, and the way the pubs operate versus, for the instance, they do in England, uh, also... Um, kind of inspires that innovation right so the context of like where beer is served why someone's gone to that bar why like why someone goes to a bar in canada is actually quite different to why someone goes to a bar in england or serbia or whatever it might be and then that changes how you brand that beer effectively so i guess you've seen that by doing heineken in canada and then and you've seen that brand obviously all around the world yes one I mean, to build, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say something smart here <laughs> to build on, <laughs> uh, to build on, uh, on what you said, it's very different to build a local brand versus global brand. And, um, I was always in, uh, in, in favor of, uh, being global. So applying global strategies in the local context and, and making it locally relevant. Uh, in Heineken, we had that, that, that challenge um, all the time, and they have it. They have it. I think they're then they're doing it quite well because it it does take that point of differentiation to to anchor the brand in the in the local market, and uh, it using the uh, global sponsorship as Heineken does with F1 and. Um, uh, some music festival does help, but then effectively you gotta figure out that um, uh, local insight. Uh, coming back to differences of why why consumers go to pub and and and, and how they behave and what do they do in in, in pubs here or or in in Europe um, uh, is is uh, very very important. Um, I mean. I was I was leading the brand at the time when the on trade was dead during the COVID, <laughs> so we were figuring out uh, uh, more um, call it a hardware of the business. How do we develop uh, deliveries? How do we help our partners and customers in the on in the on trade um, uh, keep their business? Um, and there was there were big discussions about whether the behavior uh, will shift and and whether people will uh, gather more at homes and, and outside after COVID uh, was a, a, a big uh, um, and, and very vocal about that people will go back to pubs because we're all social beings and um, uh, gathering outside in um, that urban environment, not necessarily in the barbecue, outside in the nature is uh, I think um, deeply deeply rooted and and motivations that sit there lay beyond just the socializing. 
This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. So in terms of like, you've gone from this career shift from doing it for at the big brand, and now you do it, often do it for the big brands as well as cool little companies as well. What advice do you find yourself giving most of the time to people around brand um, and how they can how they can evolve it, how they can design their brands around people's motivations? When do you keep coming back to it? Like that's the piece of advice that you give really, really well. It's a twofold answer, Ian. Uh, if if we look at the big corporations and the big companies and that those. But by this, I mean like um, not top five players in the market, whatever, whether they have global or regional business. Uh, I want to say, uh, especially for the guys that are working on the brand, um, getting out of the office and being in touch with the real world uh, is of the utmost importance because we tend to dive into Excel's data, PowerPoints and everything and, and lose uh, connection with the real world. So my, my strong suggestion would be spend at least a day with your sales rep uh, on the field uh, and, you know, test your concept with your friends in the pub on your, on your um, night out. And for the smaller businesses, I would definitely say that, you know, it, it it's more hustle it's it's way less structure way less procedures but uh, once the business reaches a certain level having a brand strategy is very important because then it defines how you show up in the world how you communicate how essentially you build that that brand equity and what what is it that you want to be known for? Um, it, I want to say that, and I was having these discussions because I'm trying to uh, un, uh, untap the market uh, for for that smaller business. The startups probably don't need the brand strategy at the beginning because they they got to build the legs on the go and 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 run at the same time. Uh, but after they reach certain level. Um, Keeping the brand in sight and minding brand building is is very important. Yeah, that sort of two way thing of as the as I remember we talked about this at the supper club and like we use McDonald's as an example of there's quite a consistent set of brand guidelines, but they'll they'll play an experiment at the same time. Um, if I come back to the first time we met, I remember like you sitting down and ordering a Heineken zero point zero, and I thought you were a bit weird, um, but you were like drinking the brand that you were launching you're asking the bartender about it you're asking me about it you're immersing yourself in that and like trying to learn and play meanwhile you have like a smaller business which is they don't have guidelines but as they get a bit of scale and they start to figure out what works they kind of then need to make it a little bit more consistent to really ensure they do scale well i guess that's where you're kind of getting to 100 percent. in order to scale you the, the the brand is a vehicle to to, to scale 100 percent, and if we manage to build it and if we manage to, you know, 
be consistent across different touch points, but at the same time, to your point, play with it and then test and learn. That's that's the formula I'd say, especially for the smaller uh, for the smaller brands, regardless of the business or the industry. What's like a piece of advice that you would give your former self if you went back to young Pred Dragon, growing through his career in Belgrade? What what advice would you give yourself now, knowing what you know now, sitting in Canada? I mean, do what you did. <laughs> um, I was, you know, in all humbleness. I mean, um, so Serbia at the time was uh, uh, a freshly open market when I started my career, um, uh, and the concept of the brand building was not um, familiar in Serbia, and certainly not as developed in in um, the the more progressive markets in the West. So I was being so intrigued by the brand itself, I was pushing myself to learn more and more. And I was lucky to work for the big companies that were providing some some trainings on different brand frameworks and, and applying different brand frameworks. So, uh, I mean, I was, I eventually I achieved what I wanted to, to untap like and understand the brand um, deeper than, you know, a pyramid or, or, a diamond or whatever the framework is used. Uh, the, Take uh, your uh, pick of, of three, four, five-sided shape <laughs> <laughs> or linear process. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, coming back to that advice, I mean, it's just, I was trying to, to understand the concept and to understand how does it apply to the business. And I was, if I look back, I was doing it throughout my career. So do what you did. You've been coming to the Supper Clubs in Toronto for a while. You've basically stamped the loyalty card a few times by this point. So um, I'm really thankful that you, we turned you from um, from guest to speaker. Uh, but but what like why should someone come to a Supper Club? We've got one coming up soon, so we need to give it a plug. Why should someone come along to one of those? Thank you for the praise. I want to say I'm not <laughs> I'm not the only one who's uh, who's a, a huge fan of Supper Clubs. Uh, but aside of few few people who come relatively uh, regularly, uh, I think it's a great environment and that you set up a great environment for um, an open discussion on 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 topics that are important and that we can all learn from and apply them, regardless of the profession we're in. And that's my motive to to keep coming back. Uh, it's not only the people that you meet, it is a networking event and you definitely meet uh, great, uh, interesting people like the last uh, supper club that we had uh, is, is another great example of, of, of that, um, where I had some, some uh, fantastic discussions about the application of, uh, you know, digital platforms, development of that, which is not my, my field of expertise, but it's also the topics that you bring are are uh, very uh, very interesting and i mean i find it a, a, a platform to learn awesome we're doing we're doing something right so thank you <laughs> you definitely are you definitely um, are. and then la la last thing something we have to get right like your predrag your pedger your pr <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I come from a culture of nicknames. 
Um, my name is one uh, harder to spell in, in, in Serbian uh, as well than some other names. Two, in my culture, you're called by your full name only by your mom or your grandma when you did something very wrong. So I always still get, you know, kindly odd when, when people call me by my full name. Um, I'm getting used to it, though. Uh, and I mean, being here, it's obviously for the uh, English speaker, it's very hard to pronounce. So uh, PR is my my Canadian nickname, which I was awarded a long time ago while I was working with, with Americans. But I mean, I wear it proudly now and don't really don't sweat it if, if people cannot, from, cannot pronounce my name. So, we'll just PR say good luck to people who listen to this and then need to go search up Frederick Rodinovich on, on LinkedIn. So <laughs> if they can't find you, come find me. I'll help you find him. <laughs> Um, Thank you. <laughs> thanks for doing this, mate. Uh, nice to do like a good little recap, even if it was a little while ago now. Thank you for the opportunity. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast, no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.